am thrilled to be with you guys. Pastor Matt mentioned my name is Brooke. I'm the youth pastor here. I believe, yes, I also have the best youth team in the world. If you want to join our team, let me know. Um, But I also believe I have the best job in the world. Like I fully believe that I get the best job, especially on staff. Um, I get paid to play. Like I get paid to have fun, hang out with teenagers. They're always like always keeping me on my toes. Uh, It's it's a ton of fun. It's exciting. Uh, But another thing is we actually break a lot of stuff in youth ministry. So that's like, that's the downside. And even this summer, I was sharing a story how this summer we happened to break two tents. Like, you know, those canopy tents that are outside. I didn't know that it was possible, but we had a tent outside and, you know, Florida has their storms and we go inside and before we know it, a storm came and we went outside and like the metal pieces of the tent were like literally tangled up. I was like, I don't even know how this is possible, but it happened. And you would have thought that we learned our lesson, but next week was launch camp. We brought out a new tent. We had it outside to cover up like our waters and all of that stuff. We went inside for a break and you know, the wonderful Florida storms came and it came back out and another tent was broken. (laughs) And I was like, how did this happen? How did we manage to break two tents? And I was like, well, I mean, it's not technically our fault. Like it was the storm's fault. Like it's the wind's fault. And I can't really control that. And then someone asked me, well, Brooke, did you put the stakes in the tent? And I was like, no, I I did not do that. I did not set the tent to where it wouldn't actually go away. And that is the reason why it ended up blowing away in the first place. And I have to admit, I didn't do anything to prepare for the storm. I did nothing to prepare for the storm, knowing that a storm's going to come, knowing it's Florida. I did nothing to prepare for it, and I allowed the tent to blow away. And when it comes to discipleship, I feel like a lot of us have not prepared for the storms that are going to come our way. When it comes to Christianity, I feel like we, we have this problem where, where we, we don't go deep enough, we don't have a deep enough foundation to prepare for the storms that are going to happen in life. And we're in this Live Green series, and we're talking about how, how do we make disciples? How, how are we to become disciples? And the problem is we have too many Christians that fall when the storms come. We have too many people that come into church and... And Jesus is good for a little bit in the tent. It's up for a little bit. But when the, when the storm of disunity comes, you're out. And when the, the storm of, of sickness comes, you're gone. And the storm of politics hits. It's like, I, I don't know if I, if I could be a part of this. Because there's not a real foundation. There's no deep foundation. There's no stakes to anchor. And this is why we have to get the Great Commission right. That's why we have to, to be able to fully hone into everything that Jesus said before he left. So wherever you are, whether you're joining us online or even here in person, if you could stand with me, we're going to read through this great commission in Matthew 28. You know, again, your Bible, we're going to read through the great commission that Jesus gave us at the end of Matthew. And starting in verse 16 is where we're going to go. It says, then the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Pastor Robbie shared about this authority. And because of this authority, it goes into what we're supposed to do. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples. And Andrea talked about this last week. Who are we supposed to make disciples of? Of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. But today, verse 20 is where I want us to really focus on. And teaching them to obey 
everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of age. Jesus, I pray right now, you make our hearts hungry for you, Lord. That we would desire to do everything you've told us to do. Open our ears and our heart. Use my words. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go and have a seat. So in, the, in this verse, what stuck out to me most is it says, and teaching them to obey. Everything I've commanded you. Jesus didn't merely say, hey, teach them all I've commanded. Tell them all of my commandments. Instead, he says, teach them to obey. And this word obey, in, in some of your Bibles, it could say teach them to observe. It means to keep, to hold. It's this obedience. Teach them to obey. And so what Jesus, where he was getting at is, hey, we don't just need to teach a bunch of information. We actually need to teach in such a way where there's obedience. Teach in such a way where you obey. Do I have any parents in here who have had to teach their kids how to drive yet? Anyone had to teach their kids how to drive yet? <laughs> any of you guys remember when you were learning how to drive? Because when I was learning how to drive, I remember my stepdad had to teach me how to drive, but not just drive, but how to drive stick shift. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. So we go out to an empty church parking lot, and he, we, as soon as we get there, he's like, all right, let's switch spots. And I was like, already? <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, you're going to get in the driver's seat, and I'm going to sit in the passenger seat, and I'm going to teach you. And as I'm telling you what to do, you just need to do it. And I'm like, okay. So I get in the seat, and I'm like holding it down. And, you know, I've, I stalled out like a thousand times. And I remember the first time I got from like one parking spot to another, I was like, yeah. I was so excited. And then he was like, no, now you have to switch the gears. And he, he was teaching me as I was driving. As I was going, I was doing everything he was saying, and then eventually I made a whole loop around the parking lot. And I was like, all right, I got this. Like, I, I know how to do it. I was able to actually go all the way around the parking lot. And then he said, all right, let's go out to the road. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Because <laughs> I'll be with the road, like, that's where the cars are. Like, if I, if I stall out, like, like, that's where the car accidents could happen. Like, you're, now you're asking me to go out where, like, something bad could happen. Like, in the church parking lot, I feel, I feel great, but I don't want to go out. And he's like, no, no. I've been teaching you, and every time I'm teaching you, you're building this foundation. You're going to be able to do it. You have experience. You've got it. Now we have to actually go out. And I know you could do it because we have, we've created this foundation to where you'll be able to do it. And I'm like, okay. And then eventually I went out, and I was able to drive, and don't worry, I didn't die. I'm still here. Praise God. So. But the reality is, is your foundation is going to only be as strong as your obedience. Your foundation is only as strong as your obedience. Unfortunately, most of Christianity lived out around us has a focus essentially on just experiencing God and not obeying him. It's been this like, God, I just, want, I just want to feel you. I just want to get in the passenger seat and I want you to drive and I just want, I want it to be a good ride. Like, can we go on the highway? Can we go really fast? Like, let me experience you, God. And God is more like, no, no, I want you to get in the driver's seat and I want to partner with you and I want you to drive, but I'm going to be here with you all along the way. God is way more about getting us in the game than us just being a part of this journey. And obedience is where we get an opportunity to partner with heaven. We get a chance to partner with God. We get to see his promises for us come to life. A lot of times we think obedience is all about confining to some rules. Like, oh, I mean, I have to follow all of these rules when really obedience is participating with him. You might be thinking, oh, man, I picked the wrong Sunday to come to church. <laughs> like, can't you just talk about, like, 
grace and love? Like, do we have to, like, this is the one thing that I feel like Christians kind of want to shy away from where it talks about obedience. And I, I am going to talk about love because one of the most loving things God could have done was given us commands to obey. One of the most loving things he could have done was, was not leave us out to where we had nothing to follow, nowhere to go. And instead he said, hey, I'm actually going to give you these commands. I remember like a month ago we went out to this conference, a couple of the pastors. And if you know Pastor Mike Lane, he always has pickleball stuff ready to go. And so he had this, this paddle and this ball and I've never seen it yet. And he, we go out to a parking lot and we're playing with it. And I haven't played the game yet. And so if you know me, I'm kind of competitive. So my first question is, well, how do we play? Because I want to know how to win. Like, so, so he's like, okay, okay. And he finally like, gives us like, the instructions of how to play. And as soon as he gives me the directions, I'm good to go because now I know I could win. Now I know what to do. Now I'm able to actually get in the game. And Jesus has done the same thing where he's given us the directions. He's given us the tools. Why? So that we could win. Like he wants us to get in the game. It would have been very unloving for him to not tell us what to do at all. But thank God he's decided, you know what, I'm going to give you commands to obey. John 8, 31 and 32 says, if you hold to my teachings, if you obey my teachings, if you keep my teachings, then you really are my disciples. The next verse, though, is then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Obedience leads to freedom. If you hold to my teachings, if you obey them, you're really my disciples. And then, then you will know. And then the truth will set you free. A lot of times we think obedience traps us when really it releases us. Obedience is the very thing that's going to release you to be free to do everything God has called you to do. This is what keeps us enduring. This is what's going to keep us having freedom. This is where we go deep and we get foundations. We have too much shallow Christianity that doesn't teach obedience. We teach some of the commands. But this verse said, teach them all I have commanded. That's why it's hard for pastors to get up and talk about money. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't know if we want to talk about that. But you mean Jesus is going to tell me how to spend my money? Wait, you mean you're going to tell me, like, what to do with my body? Well, I'm not, but I would want you to see what Jesus has to say about it. Like, I would want you to see what his commands have to say about it. That's the freedom that I have is I'm not trying to say any of my opinions or my thoughts. I'm just, I'm just trying to say what, what Jesus has said. And I would hope that we would want so badly to know what he has commanded. Every time we choose disobedience, it's like setting a tent up outside with no stakes and hoping that when the storms come, it's not going to fly away. It's like hoping like, oh, <laughs> the Bible tells us storms are going to come. We know that things aren't going to be great. And every time we choose disobedience, it's like, ah, oh, well, I hope this time it doesn't get ruined. Hope this time it doesn't get destroyed. Your foundation is only going to be as strong as your obedience. So how do we strengthen our obedience? The first point we're going to talk about is devote yourself to learning his word. You have to devote yourself to learning his word because the reality is you will never obey what you do not know. You can't, obey, you can't obey something if you don't know what it is in the first place. So I work in, uh, with youth, and we have a high school internship. I love our internships. It's a ton of fun. And a couple weeks ago, we did this race. We're like, hey, whoever could win this race, we're going to give you $50. 
And they're like, okay. So we take them out to the stadium. It's this list of all these things they have to do. Some of the things are crazy, you know, because it is youth ministry. So they had to walk down the steps and balk like a chicken. And they had to go high five Tim Tebow. And it was just this crazy list. Whoever does this list first, you're going to win $50. Now the top of the list, when they open up the piece of paper, it said, here are your directions. Follow all of these directions and you will win. Direction number one, every time you complete a task, get Brooke to initial it for you. And then there were like two other directions after that, but it didn't even matter because when we gave out this list, immediately every intern ran and started doing the list and no one read the directions. Not one intern got me to initial it in between. <laughs> Not one. They immediately were like, oh yeah, like I've got this. And they went out and in the process when it was happening, I was like, I'm kind of lonely. <laughs> I'm like, I thought I was going to be a part of this pro. Like, I, I thought I was going to get to see them come back, and I was going to get to initial everything, and no one came back, and I didn't get a chance to initial it. And I think sometimes this is how God could feel. I had this moment of like, wow, sometimes, God, I work really hard for you, and I never even go back to you. Like, I work really hard to do these things for you, and you just want me to partner with you, but instead I'm just so worried on doing all of these tasks, and I think I'm being obedient, but here's the thing, obedience doesn't start with what you do, it starts with whom you get the directions from. And you have to realize who you're getting your directions from. Who are you taking directions from? Who do you in your life take your directions from? What are you obeying? Who are you obeying is the question that we have to be able to answer. I don't blame the interns because I have the same mentality. I don't, they were kind of set up for failure. I, I honestly, I did tell our leaders, not one intern should probably win $50 today, so make sure they fail the task. That was a part of the task, so that was a side note. But I knew it would work because I know I'm just like them. That I see these things and it's just like, I've got this. I could do it. Like, I have this under control. And so often we're tempted to take things into our own hands when really we need his directions. Why his directions, Brooke? Why are his directions the one that we have to follow? Because it says all authority has been given to him. This verse, the reason I met, it's, we, we, it's because he has the authority. He's the one who has the authority over my, all authority has been given to him. That's the, this Greek word obedience. It comes from the word hupakoe. Hupakoe. Hupo, which means um, under. And then akoe, which means here. This means to hear under the authority. That's what obedience is. We have to hear with a heart that comes under the authority of his word, and that will only happen if we get in his word. Devote yourself to learning his word. Don't try to focus on your works. Every time you focus on your works, you end up legalistic. Every time you focus on, like, I just got to do this, you end up. But when you focus on him, when you focus on his word, it increases your faith. Because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So we need to focus on his word. We need to focus on what he's saying and not focus so much on our works. So first we must sit, we must seek, we must listen. I think sometimes even when you hear this word obedience, you think it's just like avoiding sin. Obedience just means all these things I have to do to avoid sin. What if God wants you to listen today when he's telling you, hey, don't, don't drive that way when you leave out of the church? What if God is trying to get you to listen to him every single moment of the day? Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Ultimately, our obedience is an outward expression of an inward reality. 
It's this outward expression of what's happening in here. And in Psalm 119, he says, I've hidden your word in my heart. Before there's ever this action to not sin, there's this hiding of his word that is in your heart. Before it's ever, I will not sin against you, it's like, oh, I won't sin against you because I'm going to keep your word deep in my heart. There's this devotion to hide the word. His word, it's a lamp into our feet. And as you lean into his word, you start to know his character. The more I read this Bible, the more I get to know, I'm like, man, God, you're a good God. Your character is great. And we need to know his character because character is what builds trust. If we don't know the character of our God, like, I don't, I don't know. If you're like me, there's some commands. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, why? There, I, I don't understand everything he says. I don't get why. There's certain things in there. Like, I can't always answer all your questions, but I can tell you I trust the God who put them in there. I trust who put them in there. I know, I believe him at his word. I remember, I don't know, if anyone in here like roller coasters, I don't mean many people that love roller coasters. Yeah, okay, okay. Believe it or not, SeaWorld has some pretty good roller coasters, which I did not know about until my friend who's a teacher, she needed some people to help chaperone a trip for her. I was like, of course I'll chaperone for you. Can we go on the rides? <laughs> She's like, yeah. So we went on the, the ride, and when I went, the year I went with her, there was a new ride. It was called the Mako. So I don't know if anyone's been there. It's this roller coaster, like fastest or, I don't know, tallest, something like that. And I was, like, really excited. And then I hop in the roller coaster, and I go to, like, pull the shoulder strap over, like, you know, my shoulders, and there's not one. I'm like, well, this is weird. And it's just a lap bar. And I was like, I don't know how safe this is. <laughs> like, in that moment, I was like, I'm not quite sure how safe this is. And every bad scenario is going through my head. Like, we're going to get stuck upside down. Like, this isn't going to work. I'm going to fall out. Like, surely the designer did not have me in mind when he created this. I'm like, I'm falling out of this thing. And then, and then I had to stop for a second, and I had to reason <laughs> with who made this ride. I was like, listen, whatever engineer made this ride, they have to know better than I know. Whatever engineer was in charge of this roller coaster, surely they knew that someone my size, my height is getting in here and I could actually have faith in the maker of the roller coaster instead of fearing. And so I went on the ride, actually ended up being one of my favorite rides um, that there is. But if the same thing happens to us when it comes with God. Whenever we have this obedience where we trust in him, we can know that we could reason with the creator and we don't have to reason with circumstances. We know that we could reason with, oh, wait, I, I know who he is. Like, this lap bar, it doesn't make sense to me, God. Like, this one, it, it might not make sense with me, but I'm not going to reason with the circumstances. I'm going to reason with your character and with who you are, and I trust in you, and I know that you are for me. I know that you are with me. I know that you set up things for me because you want me to have life and life abundantly. That's who I'm going to reason with. But you have to devote yourself to learning his word. Psalm 95.7 says, today if you hear his voice, which means you have a choice to listen, which means you have a choice to, to go in and, and hear it. Today if you hear his, there is, this, there is this word that is available to us and what a blessing it is to have his word. What a blessing it is that we have these instead of God letting us figure it out on our own. Now, the good thing is, is when it comes to discipleship, especially here, I do see a lot of people getting people into God's word. I do see the first step is like you have to get in the word. You have to get in the Bible. We have to start learning his word. But I also see a lot of people stop there. Because we have, one, we do have to devote ourselves to learning his word. But the second thing is you have to devote yourself to living his word. You can't stop at learning. You have to devote yourself to living 
You have to live this word out because it was never meant just for us to learn. It was actually meant for us to do. Disciples, green disciples, we must move people from just observing God's word to obeying God's word. We have to move people from observing God's word to obeying God. I was, I was in my room like a few weeks ago and I had this black Polaroid camera that was sitting on my desk. It had been sitting there for a couple of months now and I was like, huh, that's actually really like, I, I kind of kept it there because it was a nice decoration. It was aesthetically pleasing. I was like, I, I like that. That looks good. And then literally like a week ago, I was like, I should actually take the camera off. Like it's still a good functioning camera. I should take the camera off so I could use it. Like the camera was not designed to be a decoration on my desk. That camera was actually designed for me to use it. I have, I film for it, I have everything, so I need to actually take it off and use it. And I think what some of us do with God's word is we treat it more like a decoration than we do of something that's supposed to be used. God's word was never meant to just be the background of your phone. It was never meant to be just an Instagram post. It was never meant to just be some wall art that you have hanging up, but it was actually meant to be something we use. It was meant to be something that we actually take and we activate it and we use it. We're not just supposed to let it sit on a desk because there's so much power in his word. There's so much power in this word. Every time we obey, we're actually bringing heaven to earth. Every time we do what he has commanded. Some of us have the mentality, like the mentality, oh, a Bible verse a day will keep the devil away. (laughs) I need to tell you guys, the devil does not care. The enemy does not care how much scripture you know. Because it doesn't matter if you're not going to use it. The enemy is not concerned if, if you know the word of God because It's not going to actually matter if you're not actually going to use it. That's why in James 2.19 it says, you believe there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that. The question is, what are you going to do with it? We have to teach them to obey. We have to teach others to obey. We need to obey so that we could get activated. When we move people from observing God's word to actually obeying God's word, we start to set these unshakable foundations. We see this in Matthew 7 when he's talking about the storm. This is the end of the Sermon of the Mount. Jesus is saying, hey, therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he's like the wise man who built a house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and it beat against the house, yet it didn't fall because it had its foundations on the rock. Your foundation is only as strong as your obedience. Those who hear these words But those who put them into practice, those are the ones who have a strong foundation. Somehow Jesus is trying to correlate, hey, listen, if you you do what I say, it's only going to take you deeper. That's why the vision was never for us to just meet once a week to learn about God. The vision was to put it into practice. It's so much more than just Sundays. Even like growing up, I was, I was a lifeguard and we had these in-service like training meetings where you had to go in and you had to go get your assignment for the day. And they'd assign you like, okay, Brooke, you're going to be at the wave pool, you're going to be at the island, you get this assignment. And I didn't walk in there just waiting to hear what they were going to say and hoping like, oh, you're going to encourage me now? No, I went in there. The way I walked in there was I knew I was about to get my assignment for the day. And that's the same way we should be walking into church walls every Sunday where it's like, what's my assignment for, the, for today? What am I supposed to do today? I think a lot of us, we are hoping to get encouraged. It is my hope that you will be encouraged, but it's my deeper hope that you will be empowered. It's my deeper hope that you wouldn't come here just to receive, but you would come here to respond 
You would have this mentality of like, what, what am I supposed to respond to today, God? What do you have for me to do today? This Sunday is not just an assignment you check off a sheet. Sunday is where you go to get your assignment for the week. It's like you come in, you're like, God, what, what do you have for me today? What am I supposed to do today? It's so much more than just sitting in on a one-time service. Don't be a spectator of this kingdom, but instead be a deliverer of it. We want to get people into the game, and that happens anywhere you go. You can leave here. Today you're going to go and splash day with your family. Bring his kingdom with you. We are praying this morning, right, for healing. That doesn't happen just on Sundays. Something happens later in the week, pray for healing. Bring his kingdom with you. Everywhere we go, we're supposed to be activated to bring this, to make this word come to life. Jesus knew that keeping his commands in a fallen world was going to be hard. He didn't try to shy away from that, but he said, hey, I'm going to give you a divine source of power. In John 14, 15 through 17, it goes back to keeping his commands in verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. His commandments seem impossible, but it's actually through obedience that it becomes possible. Because it's through obedience that we receive him. It seems like there's no way I could actually do this. But when you start to obey, you actually receive his spirit that is going to help you out. You don't have to do it alone. And that's why at the end of the verse, even in the Great Commission, it's, and surely I am with you always. This isn't something that you were ever meant to do alone. And surely I am with you always. Every time you read his word, I want you to ask this question, what am I going to do about it? Every time you get in scripture, I, I dare you to say, okay, God, what am I supposed to do about this today? You, you read whatever, maybe you're in a Bible reading plan. And when you're done with that plan, I hope that you ask, okay, wh what does this mean for me? What am, how am I supposed to put this into practice today? How am I supposed to live this out? I remember when I was in 10th grade, I was after a soccer game. We were driving home. I had a different parent who was driving me home, and we get in a car accident. A car hits us. The parent, she's trapped. Like, I'm in the back seat. I, like, get out because I, I don't even know what's going to happen. I'm so discombobulated. And since our whole soccer team was there, they saw this happen. So they're running out. And they're trying to tell us what to do. And I don't want to listen to anyone except for the first responder. I remember the whole time, like, please just let a paramedic come. I, I couldn't move. I didn't, I didn't know what was happening. I needed someone to tell me I was okay in that moment. But it couldn't be th these people on my team because they didn't really know what to do. But first responders... They're trained in what to do when it comes to an emergency. So I knew as soon as they came, it would be okay. Because they would be able to respond to this in the right way. And today, even the application for today is I want us to be first responders. Because when it comes to the sin of this world, we have been trained in such a way where we know how to respond. That is why God has given these commands. When it comes to the temptations that are coming your way, you don't have to worry, God, what should I do? Because he's actually given us everything we should do and how we should respond. Be a first responder. This week when you're tempted to be a part of gossip, be a first responder and shut it down. Then no, I will not talk about that. Be a first responder and in, in the situations that you're in, even this week, we need to respond first with the way. I want us to respond with his word way more than we respond with the world. Because the world's going to tell you how you should use your money. The world's going to tell you how you should post certain things. The world's going to tell you how you should obey. But his word is going to be the thing that's going to set your strongest and deepest foundations. 
Be a first responder. Every time you step in his word, be ready to respond. Every time you come to church, be ready to respond. One of the most marking moments of my life of discipleship was when I was with someone who didn't just talk about God's word, but he actually acted it out. I remember we were in this college ministry, and there was a group of friends and I, and there was, there was one guy specifically, and I remember he would actually, like, look for the people that no one was talking to, and he would go and talk to them. I was like, wow, I was like, that's, like, that's really cool. Then I also remember he would, like, talk about Jesus. We would go on these road trips, and he would talk about Jesus, like, on a Monday and Tuesday. I'm like, oh, it's not even church. We're talking about Jesus? He would read his Bible, <laughs> On other days, he'd be like, hey, guys, let's all come together. Like, we're just friends hanging out in our house. He's like, hey, let's come together. Like, uh, let's, I, I want to say, like, what's, like, on my heart right now in this word. We would go and uh, we would go with groups, and so we had to get, like, different hotel rooms, and hotel rooms have limits of how many people you could have in the hotel room. And he'd be like, we're not going to lie. We're going to tell them the truth. I know, like, their limit's four, but we're going to tell them there's 11 of us, and we're going to see if, you know, we could get in. Because I would rather be honest and have the favor of God than lie. I was like, Okay. And all of a sudden, I saw someone start to live out these commands. And it marked me because what ended up happening is these commands were no longer in my head, but they moved to my heart. Every time you choose to obey, you start to see, oh, man, God, like, you did this for, you did this for a reason. Like, you, you're, not trying, you're not trying to set me up to harm me. You're actually trying to help me. In Proverbs 7, 1 through 2, it says, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. And that just stuck out to me. So I'm like, wow, his commandments are the very thing that give us life. Keep my commands and you will live. This sounds very familiar because in the garden, in the beginning, there was Adam and Eve. And there were all these things that they were able to do. But there was one thing if they did. There was one thing if they disobeyed. He said, if you disobey, surely you will die. Surely you will die. Keep my commands and you will live. If you disobey, surely you will die. And the enemy is smart where he would tell it, surely you won't die. You've probably heard it in your own life. No, if you don't obey what God says, like, no, you're fine. You're not going to die. And that's the same thing that Eve thought in the garden. And she disobeyed. And then sin came in and it separated us from God. Because every time we disobey, we're separating ourselves from God. Disobedience will separate you from God, which must mean that obedience is what's going to bring us closer to God. You haven't been feeling God in your life? Have you been obeying? Like, just even ask that one question. Like, maybe you feel far from God, and maybe what you need to do is you just need to start obeying. There's an area in your life you know you haven't been listening to, and you're like, okay, God, I will obey. Maybe the enemy has been tricking you and telling you, surely you won't die. I'm here to tell you, yes, you will. You will. But the good news is, is we can obey him, and he does give us life every single time we choose to. Because in John 14, 21, it says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. You have them, you've learned them, you keep them, you live them, and the one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Every time... You keep his commands. God's promise is I will show myself to you. I will, I will show up to you. I will, I, will be, I will be there for you. Keeping his commands is a result of love. It's not the same thing as love, but it's a result of love. And we love because he first loved us. 
The truth is we really never can obey on our own. And we don't have to because he promised that he would be with us. We don't have to obey on our own because he promised he would be with us. The first thing is we have to devote ourselves to learning his word. We have to devote ourselves to living his word. And then we have to depend on him for it all. We have to depend on him for it all. Because your foundation is only going to be as strong as your obedience. And our foundation was broken at the fall. And our obedience, it is weak. But Jesus came and he made a way for us. In Romans 5.19 it says, just as through the disobedience of one man. That was in the garden. Just as through the disobedience of one man we were made sinners. So also through the obedience of one man many will be made righteous. And that one man was Jesus. When Jesus came to this earth and he decided that he was going to be obedient. He was going to be in full submission to whatever the father would tell him to do. Like he would say things like, hey, like, like my food is just to do the will of my father. I'm just going to listen to whatever God tells me to do. Jesus came and he lived this obedient life to God and he did what we never could do. We never could be obedient. We never could be perfect. You saw this all throughout history. If you read the Bible, all throughout the Old Testament, all these times where God is telling them to obey and they cannot do it. So God sends a way to where we can actually do this. And it was Jesus. And we have to depend on Jesus for it all. We could follow the same model. In fact, in Philippians, it tells us we're supposed to follow. To have the same, we're supposed to have the same mindset as Jesus. Philippians 2, 5 says, in your relationships with another, have the same mindset as Christ. Who being in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death. That was the command God gives to his son. Where is he supposed to be obedient? He's supposed to be obedient to death. Death for us. Even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest places. And gave him the name that is above every name. And that is the name of Jesus. Where every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He humbled himself by becoming obedient. His humility is actually what caused him to be obedient. His complete dependence on God is what allowed him to obey. His submission is what allowed him to obey. And a lot of us, if I'm honest, when it comes to my obedience problem, really my problem is pride. Because I think that I know better. I'm not willing to humble myself. And the obedience problem is a pride problem. We feel as if we have it right. And this disobedience, it comes from entitlement. We say lines like, well, I mean, compared to everyone else, I'm really not that bad. I have the right to live my best life. I have the right to date whoever I want to date. Like, I have the right to, to watch what I want to watch and to listen to what I want to listen to. Like, this, like, let's be real. Like, we live in a culture where it's like, we really do care about our rights. This is my right. This is my body. This is my choice. And Jesus had every right too, but it said he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead he humbled himself and he gave up every single right to become obedient 
That's good. He gave up every right to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why? What would make someone do that? You would. Because it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You were his joy. You were the thing that was going to make him become obedient to death. You were the thing that was worth it to him. And he was willing to give up every single right for you. And I would only hope that we would be willing to give up every single one of our rights for him. Knowing that this is a God who's not trying to constrain us, who's not trying to trap us, who's not trying to keep us locked up. But he wants us to have freedom and we have to depend on him for it all. Humility has to come before obedience. If you don't humble yourself, you're going to become bitter. If you start trying to do these commands and you start trying to work out everything the Bible says, you're going to become very, very bitter. Because if we obey without humility, we are working for the blessing instead of working from the blessing. You have to be in a place where you humble yourself and you're working out of the blessing. Not, God, what are you going to do for me? But God, I know what you did for me. And I'm going to live a different life because of the life you live for me. I'm so glad God gives us a chance to respond. I'm so glad he doesn't leave us in our mess. I'm so glad that he decided to give up every single right. One of my favorite verses that's marked me is Jesus in the garden. He's in the garden and he's praying this prayer. It's in Mark 14. And he knows that he's about to have to go and die. This is this obedience. He knows that he's, he's about to endure the cross he knows he's about to have to take the cup of wrath that was our wrath, that we deserve, the sin that was laid out. He, he wanted to take all of that sin for us. But there is this verse when Jesus is praying in the garden. In verse 36, he says, he's talking to God. Jesus says, everything's possible for you. Take this cup from me. This is the most human I feel like I've ever seen Jesus. Because I see him doing these extraordinary things all the time. But when he knows he's about to have to die for us, you see this side of him that's like, oh, take this cup from me. There's been moments in my life where I'm like, God, like, I, don't, I don't know if I, if I want to do this. But then Jesus' very next line is, yet, not my will, but your will be done. Yet, not, not what I want, which shows me there was a, a side of Jesus. We, we think that Jesus was just like, yeah, bring me to the cross. There's a side of Jesus that was like, I don't know if I could do it. But you know what? Not my will. Your will be done. Guys, there's been many times I have regretted not obeying God. There's been many times I've messed up and I, I did not say, yet not my will. There has never been a time in my life that I have obeyed God and I've regretted doing it. There's never been a moment where he's told me to do something and I was like, dang it, why did I listen to you? There's never been a moment. There's been plenty of moments where God's like, hey, you should go give them money. And I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. Two weeks later, I'm like, gosh, why didn't I do that? There's never been a moment where I've stepped out in faith and obeyed what God said and I've regretted it because he comes through every single time. You'll never regret obedience. You'll never regret it, I promise you. It is something that once you do it, you understand, God, you've always been here for me. You've always had everything planned out for me. 
we must obey all he's commanded. I think some of you in here, there's a response that you're supposed to make even today. There's a response that you're supposed to have. Maybe you've never even responded on the name above all names. This name that we're just reading about in Philippians 2 where it says, hey, there's going to be a day where God is going to be exalted. Pastor Mike was talking about this this morning. There's going to be a name where the name of Jesus is going to come and every knee is going to bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue is going to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And maybe you have not even made that first act, that first step of obedience where you have come to him, where you have repented, where you have turned from your ways and you've gone to him and said, I'm going to call upon your name. Maybe some of you need to respond to the name of Jesus this morning. Then some of you, I think you just need to respond to... Something that you know in your life you're supposed to be obedient to and you've put it off. There's areas in your life where you, you've held on to it because it's your right, it's your thing, and then you're not willing to let it go. And maybe there's some rights you guys need to let go of this morning. Maybe there's a way in which you're starting, and maybe you just need some time with the Lord. Maybe you simply were just like, I, I, I just need to see him again, to learn from him again. I just want to hear from him again. But Jesus, I pray right now that you would stir our hearts. You would stir our hearts. God, you would make us hungry for your word, God. You would make us hungry to get activated, to go on assignment, to hear from you, to obey you, to do everything that you have commanded us to do. God, I pray if there's anyone that's far from you, that's distant from you, that today you would bring them home, that your spirit would move in this room right now. And that we would love you with all of our hearts, our souls, our minds, our body, our strength. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.